Hey, man, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl. Howdy, my brothers, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl, man. For all my guys and girls that's been with me the whole time, heck yeah, man, we're still pushing along. I appreciate it. This is your first time joining us. Whoa, wow, can't believe you found it. Stick around, man. It's nothing but a good time, I hope. <laughs> uh, happy Friday, y'all, man. Hope y'all having a good one, dude. Uh, my week has uh, been busy, and I'm not complaining about that, man. You know, like, I'm trying to hit mics as much as I can. Uh, I'm starting to put on shows. Uh, thanks to my uh, friend, Chad Ryden's advice that he gave. That he gives to all comics, you know, which is if you don't feel like you're getting uh, opportunities make your own opportunities right and i'm finally starting to uh uh heed that advice man so thanks chad appreciate it man uh speaking of opportunities i'm gonna take this time real quick to uh throw out my own commercial as i said in the past i don't have commercials currently so again i'm gonna make my own commercial so here is a commercial for an upcoming show <clears throat> friday July 16th, Carl Roberts III presents The Good, The Rad, and The Funny, live at Eastwood Deli. My friend Alex uh, over at Eastwood Deli on Eastland in East Nashville has agreed to uh, reopen the deli at 6 p.m., featuring full menu and beer, and we're going to do a comedy show at 7, man. And hot lineup, it's all Nashville comics, you know. Uh, let's see, we got the mighty Mark and Nunson. Sean Parrott, the big dog Josh Lewis, Evan Norman, Corey Perry, and Jessica Carter. And uh, tickets right now, you can get pre-sales at brownpapertickets.com. And I think pre-sale tickets are $7, and they'll be $12 at the door. Uh, limited space available, man, so get yours today. Boom. And a commercial. Hey, speaking of Chad riding though, man, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that uh, he gave me that advice, and I'm paying him back. Uh, in a few weeks, uh, because I started another show. <laughs> I don't want to bore you with a second commercial. I'll start that one next week. But uh, uh, just a little teaser out there is that Chad's going to be uh, headlining on a show that uh, I'm producing. So thanks, Chad, uh, for everything, man. All right, guys, let's get into it. This week's guest is none other than Steven Spinola, man. Uh, Steven's a great dude. Uh, he's been in Nashville the past couple years, and uh, man, what a what a dynamic presence! You know, not only in life, but definitely on that stage, man. He just has this great positive energy on stage, and it resonates, man. And so, what follows, dude, is like really a real conversation uh, with a with a good dude. I hope you enjoy it. I had fun, and uh, I like to now consider uh, Stephen a friend of mine. See, this is why I like doing these podcasts, man, because like if I don't know my guest that well, it's a good way to get to know him as a person. Yeah, I'm really glad he did the thing. So uh, check it out. Strap on that seatbelt, man. Get ready, because ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Stephen Spinola, man. Thank you. Uh, my girlfriend and I just broke up. Oh, you didn't let me finish. Uh, my girlfriend and I just broke up an entire ounce of weed by hand. 
and rolled it into one giant joint that represents our love. How awesome is our love? We're very happy, very hungry, very sleepy. That's just a joke uh, because my girlfriend does not exist. <laughs> you guys like weed? Nice, 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 nice. Uh, I do a lot of weed jokes because generally people like weed. That's why I don't do a lot of tax jokes. You guys like taxes? A couple guys do. You guys are some smart guys. Well, guess what? Because I love taxes. I don't know if you guys know this. You don't get to pay taxes if you didn't make money last year. I had the opportunity to pay taxes this year, you guys. Do you not see the greener grass? I do, because I made money last year. I bought way greener grass this year, you guys. It's weed jokes. It's all weed jokes. There's no tax jokes. You gotta stick with me. I'm a quick pothead. I live with my uncle, which is pretty cool. Except my uncle's a cop. So he has two rules I have to follow if I want to live in his house. First rule, obviously I'm not allowed to smoke weed in his house. But the second rule is that I have to have an app on my phone called Find My Friends so that he knows where I am at all times. But it works vice versa, so I know where he is at all times. So now I know when to smoke weed at his house. Cops are so stupid. <laughs> They're not my friends. They're my family, unfortunately. Steve, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you? I think I'm okay, man. Welcome to the house, man. I appreciate you uh, coming out and hang for a little while. Thanks you know? for having me. Dude, I haven't seen you in a long time. I haven't yeah. been out in a long time. Yeah. I've been I mean, trying to stay home. That's right. You know, you know, like, I got to say this uh, right out of the gate. Uh, if there was, as the history books will show, uh, doing comedy in the pandemic, the quintessential picture out there is you at the comedy bar in that hazmat suit dude i you know i've heard a lot of people have told me that that picture has shown up in a lot of places i guess like it was used in chicago on the uh, front page of some local paper or something but uh yeah i just i <laughs> i thought it was a funny idea and uh, you know i'm hey i'm glad people like it yeah i saw it like i was like that's it that's the yeah literally the poster of what doing comedy in if, if you're not familiar it's just me wearing a hazmat suit and it's not a real hazmat suit right. it's, it's just like a painter's outfit you know like like you can get one from home depot for like 20 bucks probably it's like a plastic suit yeah and then i just had a uh like a fake gas mask it's not like a fake gas mask it's, it's a real gas mask but it's a um it, it's not like it's not gonna save you. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like for particulate matter up to some range, but it's not. You know, it's not gonna save you from a toxic gas or like a virus. Probably, maybe I don't know. What do I, I actually don't know? Maybe I could have been saving myself. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it looks like I was wearing a hazmat suit, and that was the idea. I loved it, man. It, it looked like uh, like a mix between like Breaking Bad and uh, Michael J. Fox and uh, Back to the Future, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like E. T. One of those guys. Yeah, that's, like, that's right. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, so that was, you know, I, I said all those things on stage. It was a nice, fun time. And I, I actually knock on wood. I can knock on almost anything in this room, and it's wood. <laughs> the almost um, wood, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, I have not gotten it yet. So I've been trying to be careful, stay home, wear my mask when I'm off stage at venues around a lot of people, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, no, like even if it's not real, like I don't know, there's people who think that it's not real, I guess. Like I don't know what, what people really believe. A lot of people believe a lot of really crazy things these days, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I guess there's people who believe it's not real. And so even if it's not real, I would still wear the mask though, because I'm like, digging the mask stuff now yeah yeah so especially when i was wearing the hazmat suit it was great because i just didn't have to talk to anybody especially crowd members like i don't want to talk to you you know so it's like no one's gonna go talk to a guy in a hazmat suit <laughs> like the shows went well but it's like they didn't go well enough where everyone was like oh i gotta meet that guy yeah yeah, yeah. you know they're like oh what the fuck is up with this crazy guy you know <laughs> what were those shows like like last year everything was great yeah honestly yeah. Uh, anyone who was going to see comedy during the pandemic was like willing to risk their life to laugh these people needed it these sad fucks so you know the easy crowd <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure man <laughs> but uh you know as, as now it's actually getting a little harder i'd say you know r- people are coming out that normally didn't come out last year and they're you know the real comedy critics Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, the people like give you that Nashville stare, you know, or they just hold their <laughs> arms and just. No, I'll be honest. Since the whole pandemic thing started, I, I feel like comedy has been so much easier just overall. People have been through some shit, you know. I, yeah, it's, it's been easy lately. I gotta be honest with you. I haven't had to write any new jokes. <laughs> it's been yeah. that easy. <laughs> yeah, it's been that easy. I've been, I've been doing jokes like, that I've been telling since like 2013 and like, just all crowd work and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's nice to just talk to people. I think, you know, the crowd work is great because people just want to talk to other people. Mm. That's what everyone hated about the pandemic. It's just having to stay home, be lonely. Nobody likes that. Yeah. So have you always been, uh, like good at doing crowd work? No, I have not. I was never good at crowd work. Yeah. No, I was terrible at crowd work. Crowd work was always super awkward for me. Mm. I always used, I mean, I still am. I was going to say I always used to be high on stage, Mm. but I guess now I'm just so much more used to being high that it's uh, easier to deal with human interaction. I got you. You know, nor like I used to recite a monologue, you Mm -hmm. know, it used to all be like the same exact monologue every time I could, you know, there, my wife could probably recite the monologue. Right. But, uh, yeah, now that it's like pandemic times, I was like, let me switch it up. I also stopped caring about comedy. No, you know, we don't get paid enough for all of this shit. <laughs> so I'm like, I make pretty good money from my bedroom. So like for me to leave the house, like you have to pay me. That's the first thing. Yeah. You owe me money for this, by the way. <laughs> I didn't tell you yet. Oh. I'm sending you a Venmo request for like $2,000. There it is. And, it is. um, and, uh, <laughs> Like, when I do, you know, like, the shows now, I'm not going, like, you won't see me at the mics. You won't see me at, like, any unpaid shows because, like, this, if if we're going to risk our lives, I mean, I know you probably don't feel this way. A lot of comics do not feel this way. A lot of comics, like, would love to just risk their life to be on stage, you know, mm-hmm. to to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but not me. 
<laughs> like I have a family and shit. I have like I have like things that I like look forward to at home, and so it's like, uh, yeah, it's not worth it for me in my mind to be out if I'm not making money doing it. Yeah. Um. So anyway, everything has been paid in the last year and a half now. I mean, and paid like you know, like where I have started demanding certain amounts. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess I'm. I wouldn't say like I'm at a point in my career where you can just do that and whatever, but it's like, it's like pandemic, you know, I'm like, man, if you want me to leave my house to risk my life, you have to pay me like at least this amount. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I am doing less comedy, a lot less comedy, but I find that I'm more excited to be there Mm -hmm. because I'm being paid. So like when I get on stage now, I give it my fucking all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the crowd work stuff came because, like, yeah, even though I'm giving it my all, I'm giving it all of my energy and not as much of, like, my written material because, I, like I said, I find that people want to be talked to more now. They just, they're, like, they're, they're getting out of the house, getting, you know, during a thing where it's, like, we're supposed to be at our house or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking about in the beginning of the pandemic. And, and I'm high right now, so you let me know if I'm just rambling and rambling and just going off track you haven't said a goddamn word on your own podcast yeah. i've just been speaking oh that's good that's what you're I like want. a therapist right now and this is it's, i realized that in this moment and i was like oh these people listening are like why is this guy just talking non-stop and this is what i do on stage too yeah i just kind of talk at people i go you we're talking at you right now uh-huh. that's all the crowd works <laughs> <laughs> No, you're making my job very easy right now. I dig it, man. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, when I started in comedy, it was, like, scary for me to talk to the crowd. I was always scared of what the crowd thinks. Yeah. And now that I've been, I guess, like, once the pandemic started, I didn't do comedy for, like, two months in the beginning of it. And I had a lot of, like, mental uh, conflict where I was, like, you know... I was mad at people who don't believe in this stuff, in the virus and everything, you know, and think that it's fake or whatever, because, like, so many people died and everything. And so, I guess people were dying and stuff. I was getting mad at people, and I started to, like, not like people for a while. I became, like, a serious misanthrope. And uh, and so now when I do comedy, it's it's, like, it's less of, like, feeling like I have to please these people. It's more for me now. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. When I get on stage now, you'll like you could just see a different confidence in me, even though everything I'm saying is still a hundred times you know stupider or just as stupid as everything I was saying before. Yeah, you know, I just feel more confident saying it because, like you know, we live in such a stupid world, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, yeah, and and confidence is everything. And when you're having fun doing it, dude, like you yeah, know what I mean? exactly. I want to have fun doing it, yeah. and it's like not fun for me when I wrote something that I'm really proud of that has worked a million times, and a crowd doesn't like it one time. Like that one time can ruin a week for me, mm-hmm. you know. And for most comedians, I'm sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, like we we spend a lot of time writing our material and working it out on stage. I mean, I've spent a lot, like a lot of it. I've been doing, like I said, since 2013. Yeah. Some of these jokes are seven years old. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll sprinkle them in, but uh, I'm not too excited to be saying seven year old jokes, like for 
you know, 45 minutes it's or tough. sometimes. Yeah, so. it's tough. Like, yeah. I can only imagine, you know, I haven't hit the seven year mark yet, but yeah, I get that. Yeah, I think a lot of. Yeah, well, I, I've started telling 10 year old jokes now. Now I've, I'm like, I'm recycling jokes that I wrote in my first year, you know? Okay. Just so that I can, like, you know, have, it, it feels new again almost, but like I'm sprinkling it into the crowd work. I'm trying to really focus on the crowd work, sprinkle in other stuff. Yeah. And so new material will come. But, you know. but that's good that you're like concentrating on a thing that you said you weren't comfortable with. And now you're kind of making that a strength. You know, yeah. 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 Way. That's great. You know, that's growth, I think. I mean, I hope, I hope that it looks like growth to the bookers. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. That's what you always hope. You hope that people don't stop taking you seriously because you don't do material, stuff like that. A lot of weird things in this business, you know, and I'm trying to not worry about any of that either. Yeah. So really trying to just focus on my home stuff. I'm probably going to start doing some online stuff. Like I've dreaded getting back to that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in this world and it's not all in live comedy. Yeah. I feel like live comedy is almost becoming like a secondary thing. Mm. And being able to do crowd work is kind of like just helping me be able to talk to people even in real life. I can you know, see that. It opens up like a whole new world of type of shows you can do. I can do like an online format where I'm talking to a chat. You know, something like that. That's that's essentially crowd work. All these guys that do that online on YouTube, mm -hmm. they're doing crowd work, you know. Even if you don't think it's good or original, that's what they're doing. I mean, if they have to talk to a chat on Twitch, that's, you know, this guy I watch, uh, Ludwig. I mean, that's a lot of crowd work. Mm -hmm. So getting good at crowd work is definitely a useful skill. And, and also, I want to be able to do corporate stuff in the future, which I don't think I will be. But in the future, at some point, maybe, if I clean up my act a little bit, <laughs> stop saying the F-bomb so much. I don't know. You can still keep the wee jokes, though, right? I don't even know. I think as, maybe as uh, the laws get more lenient, you mm. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Yeah. Have you ever messed with TikTok? I know a lot of people are I do not do TikTok. No, I'm not a pedophile, so I don't get on <laughs> child apps. There you go, man. Um, no, I know there's been a lot of comedians who have had good success on there and stuff. And, you know, I don't, my material is not for children. Mm -hmm. so, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I just leaned into the mic to say a line to scratch my back so it's going to sound awkwardly loud. And then I hit a door. <laughs> I, you know, I, my material is not suitable for children, families, Christian people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am super not like, I don't tar that's a big thing about my comedy that's like it's not marketable. Mm. You know, that's why I think that like, yeah, I've been around for a long time. A lot of people in comedy respect me. A lot of people like my jokes and like my act and think I'm funny, but it's like my career's not taking off mm. for s some reason. And what's that reason? Most likely because I'm not marketable, right? So, that's that. Yeah. So I don't do TikTok, I don't do stuff like that. I just, I'm, right now I'm just doing me. Twit, Twitter, I'm insane on Twitter. I don't know if you're on oh, there, yeah. if you see me on there, but yeah. it's insane. I've been banned. My real account was banned. So now I have my, uh, my alt account, mm -hmm. which is, which should have been my real account because it's, it's at Steven Spinola, which is my name. <laughs> the alt, I have the yeah, alt yeah. account is my name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm retarded, bro. So anyway. <laughs> You know, 
I don't know what the hell I've been doing. When I when when I sit down and talk about my career in this way and I like start reflecting on like, okay, where did I start? How did I get to where I am now? The whole thing retarded. Not like a good idea at all. Bad idea, like lucky to have a wife and a house and stuff, but like, man, none of it was from comedy. You know, comedy has been a drain on my life. Yeah. You know, bad idea. So and for most people, I think. I would think. Well, maybe. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, like, yeah. how many people do you see make it from right. the open mics? You know what I mean? Yeah. From when I started, I can tell you, actually, from my first open mic. I mean, let's say my first month of open mics, because I, I could see a few people probably weren't at that exact one. I'd say three people are now working in comedy, writing for somebody else. Mm. And one of them is famous on her own. None of the men are famous that I started with. Not not a single one. Wow. Not one has made it mm. comedically. <laughs> <laughs> but that's comedy, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just funny to think about it that way. One, There's two guys, actually, that wrote for a TV show in Canada mm-hmm. called This Hour is 22 Minutes. There's a couple girls that wrote for that show. Probably like three girls I know wrote for that show. Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to drop any names. No, no, there's no, there's no point. These people don't like me. It's not like you know, you know, like you know how people drop names. Like, oh, I'm friends with this person. Yeah. I'm friends with that. I'm not friends with any of these fucking people. <laughs> I am friends with a few of them. It's such a lie. But I'm not like I'm. I'm not close friends with anybody anymore. Yeah, I've gotten to a point in life where like I'm. You know, I have my wife. I have my dogs. And like my small little career that I do and I make money from home and I'm trying to build a family now. Yeah. I don't like keep in touch with anybody from high school. You know, every once in a while, I mean, every, every like few months I'll get a text from somebody. We have like, you know, short exchange mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, like I don't see anybody like yeah. haven't seen a lot of my comedy friends from when I started in like five years now. You know, because they're all in Canada. I live in the United States. They live in Canada. So I invited them to my wedding. They're too poor because their career hasn't taken off. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I wish these were all jokes, but they're not. I know. It's sad. (laughs) It's like fucking sad. (laughs) Anyway. Like, how did you end up getting into comedy in the first place? Like, what drew you to the stage and... Well, I have a degree in physics, so I was studying physics at McGill University. I was 19 years old. I wanted to kill myself. It was like the worst time ever. School in Canada is harder than school in the United States. A lot of people don't know about this, but I went there having like AP credits, like being like a super scholar in the United States, um, and I was like an idiot there. Mm -hmm. I got a 1.53 GPA in my first semester. Wow. Had to like drop out of a bunch of stuff. Had to change my major. I ended up graduating after five years, so I had an extra year. I was supposed to graduate a year early. Graduated a year late. Okay. So I mean, I was bad at college. I was so good at high school. It was insane. I, I was actually so good at high school. I finished every single math and science course available in my high school. And in my senior year, I took a calculus course at the nearest community college because there was nothing left in my high school and I was like I was so um, like I wanted to take the initiative yeah like I was a fucking nerd loser you know what I mean and so 
and then I went to college. I smoked weed all the time. Stopped being that good at school. I was like just good enough to get through. Wanted to kill myself. And one day, I... Oh, man, this is a hurtful story. It hurts my heart to tell this one. I had a girlfriend at the time, and it just wasn't working out long distance for me. Couldn't handle it mentally. So I I asked this other girl out on a date. This is the first girl I'm asking out on a date after, like, you know, not being with this other girl. And she ends up canceling on me the night of, and I invited her out to go see comedy at a comedy, at the Comedy Works in Montreal, and, um... She canceled on me, said she was sick, and I thought she was lying. Mm. So, like, my heart was just, like, wrenched. I was just, like, in a bad place, you know? And my friends were like, let's just take asses, go to the comedy show, and forget about everything. And I was like, sure, let's do it. Mm. So we took a bunch of asses, went to the comedy show, and I swear, I've never laughed so hard in my life. I actually did laugh one harder one time in my life, and I was also on acid at a comedy show. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) I mean, it was nuts. I remember the whole thing top to bottom. Like, I remember some of the jokes even. Uh, It was Daniel Torado, who I believe is in New York City now. He was the host. Mm -hmm. There was a guy named Robbie Mayer. He's, uh, or Bobby Mayer. He's in England now. He's he's actually pretty well known in England. He's on a bunch of TV stuff. And Dave Mirage was the middler. He's in L.A. now. He's pretty big in LA he's been on some Hulu stuff and he's in the Persian and Arab community okay so he's in a bunch of those shows and stuff Uh, that guy man I can't remember his name now but he had a show on Hulu and Dave played one of his good friends so it's like cool to see some of these guys I see these are guys who actually sort of liked me a little bit so I'll name drop (laughs) (laughs) Dave helped me out in the beginning of my career a bunch you know he's just a nice guy and then there was, um, the headliner was this guy, Andy Hendrickson. I believe that's his name. Um, and yeah, they were great. They were so funny. And I, I was just like on acid, dying laughing. And then the host came back at the end of the show and said, if you want to come back for the open mic on Monday, come, come get on stage, do some comedy. And he was wrong. That's not how it worked. You cannot just show up on Monday and get on stage. Okay. However, I did. I showed up on Monday with my friend, my roommate. I told my roommate, I was like, I'm going to do this. I think I want to do this. And I went on stage and he was my audience member. And he was like, and I, when I showed up, the sound guy who runs the, you know, the mic or whatever. He was like, yeah, you can't just get on stage. You have to sign up by phone, like, you know, on Saturday morning. But the show I went to was on Saturday night. Mm. So I told him what had happened. I said, I was here on Saturday night, and the guy said to show up on Monday, and I'm from New York, and I want to get on stage. (laughs) So he thought I was from New York. He thought, like, I was, uh, like, living in New York. I was going to school in Montreal at the time. So I went on stage, and then I showed up the next week. Yeah. You know, I, I called in. And he was like, oh, I thought you were from New York. And I was like, no, I called in this week. I'm, I'm living here right now. So that guy hated me immediately. <laughs> Bad start to my comedy career. You know, he was like, thought I was gaming his system, you know, mm-hmm. his little system. And you find that in every open mic, right? Everyone's got their system, right? Everyone's on a fucking power trip. I'm sure at your open mic, you're a fucking warlord. Yeah, dude. I'm known for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> just ruthless. <laughs> I mean, I just went to that one open mic and I never stopped going back, you know, which is not like necessarily 
a good way to start a career is open mics. I mean, that's the way that they say you should start a career online, right? Mm. But you'll find that all the best careers start through like friendships, just like weird shit, like friendship. Like some guy is friends with a comedian and then the comedian's opener doesn't show up. And then the friend is like, oh, why don't you just let me go up for seven minutes? And then they're just like pretty okay enough that the guy's like, yeah, why don't you just come on the road with me for three years? And then that's the beginning of their career. Dude, I've yeah. heard so many stories like that. You wow. wouldn't believe it. Because I just oh. want to go with, hang out with their friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of the road stuff is people just want to hang out with their friends, especially in Canada. I remember there was this one guy. He wouldn't take me on the road or any of my friends, but he would take this one guy who was like a terrible, terrible comedian, but like super safe. The guy would go up, do the same 15 minutes he's been doing for about 20 years. And he's like, he, he was just super quiet off stage. And that guy who would take him on the road was like, yeah, I take this guy on the road with me because I like to just go sit in a park somewhere. And he sits next to me and he doesn't ask me any goddamn questions. See how I've been talking nonstop this whole time? Mm-hmm. It's a coastal thing. It's like a New York, L.A. thing. Okay. I can't stand silence. So you got to fill it up. I fill it up. I'm always talking or you're talking. Somebody's talking. Okay. Or I'm taking a nap. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, this one guy I remember from Canada, he could sit there just quietly. And he, and he had like a low IQ. His brain wasn't really on. So he didn't really have much to say. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, He right. didn't really have an opinion on anything. <laughs> so like it was very easy for his headliner to take him on the road with him. Yeah. Because he doesn't. You know? Know any better. It so, <laughs> doesn't know to talk. Well, I mean, even if it's like knowing to talk, it's like it's just easy for him to hang out with. He just wants silence. He doesn't want to be talked to. He doesn't want someone who's like asking him questions about how to make it. Any shit like that. Yeah. You know. So every comedian is different, but you'll find that a lot of headliners will take someone on the road with them that you're like, why that guy? And there's always a reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not... It's rarely because, like, oh, like he deserved it because it's due to what he's done in his career, merit wise, he gets the laughs, whatever. It's all things that as comedians we think about. We're like, oh, he shouldn't have what I want because he doesn't get as many laughs as me. But it's like never about that. (laughs) Very specific reasons. It's always like weird shit. You know, even like being banned from, I've been banned from venues. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. For smoking weed. Never for, like, comedy. Yeah. But just for smoking weed. And they're like, you can't have that. It's like, don't you know what <laughs> many worse things that's happened in this green room? <laughs> well, yeah, but there's there's places where, like, people are, like, afraid of the law. And they're like, oh, if we get caught, we're going to get fined. And they're like, you, you're you going to get us fined, so you can't work here anymore. I mean, I, have, I, I got banned from a club in Canada for six months. And weed's, like, fucking legal there. Wow. <laughs> so it's, like, ridiculous. There's always reasons for things, and, and even that might have not have even been because of weed. It was that same sound guy, right? So it could have been just because he didn't like me. You know, it's always a thing. There's always some weird thing, and it never has to do with you being funny. <laughs> but that's, that's, I think that's solid advice, though, too, right? You know, it's like, because I think a lot of, like, like you said, a lot of people assume that it's merit-based. And, yeah, you get spiteful if you think that way. But really, it's just no. Yeah, I like this guy. I'm taking this guy with. You know, I get that. Yeah. You know, like in music, they always said uh, you have to have a certain personality because, like, if you're not cool, like 
and just easy going. They don't want to take you on the road. Oh, dude, you know? I'm not cool or easy going. I'm fucking not chill at all. I'm a snitch. I'm a fucking dude. I don't like shaking hands with rapists. I'm not working at my favorite comedy club right now because they fucking keep having a rapist on stage and they don't fucking care. I mean, and it's not even it's not even one rapist. They'll have any rapist. They'll have any rapist that will fill the seats. You understand? And I'm not filling seats. So it's like I'm I'm in a place where it's like I have to either go shake rapist hands and like beg for a career at a bigger venue or take what I have at small venues doing what I'm doing and, and then try to make something happen online hopefully yeah. soon in the future. Yeah. I'm sorry my phone keeps going off. I'm popular, dude. This is, no, this is how I make money now is just getting notifications all the time about money-making opportunities. Ah. Yeah, crypto stuff. I'm all in crypto stuff. Uh-huh. And reselling stuff. I'm reselling things. You I know, make pipes. Do you have any advice for that? Because I have no concept. I've never even tried it. Tried what? Like, like crypto and like you know like uh you've never tried to make money anyway yeah through that avenue like robin hood app you know i'm so so clueless on like how to even start oh man well i've been trading stocks for a long time and stuff so yeah like and i'm not good at it yeah i've lost the more money than i've made probably if you if i think about it you know um yeah maybe hard to tell but uh you know Investing is something where you're going to put your money in that you don't need. You don't need that money right now. Right. You know, so you invest it and you leave it there for a long period of time. A long-term investment is technically longer than one year. Anything shorter than a year is technically a short-term investment. I got you. So, you know, you want to invest what you don't need, right? That's exactly what I just said before. I'm just repeating myself because I'm high. Yeah, that's fine. In crypto, it's a little bit different because, I mean, crypto stuff just explodes and goes away really fast. You know, it's a very short-term game in crypto. You could invest for long-term. Like, if you invested in Bitcoin in 2010, 2011, 2012, any time before 2017, you know, before the end of 2017, you've made pretty good money Mm. on your Bitcoin. If you invested after 2017... You still probably made pretty good money on the Bitcoin, but if you've invested this year, you're probably lost money on it. Oh, well. most likely because it went up to like sixty grand, sixty four grand. Now it's at thirty two. Okay. So I mean, it's ha- you lost fifty percent of your investment. Wow. I don't even want to tell you how much money I've lost. I mean, it's and it's not money that I've lost; it's just unrealized gains. So what that means is that I made the money. In, in fake money then I didn't sell yet so I didn't realize those gains so they are unrealized gains but uh, yeah like a house worth you know what I mean wow. yeah so it's fucked up but I, I live and then I go tell jokes on stage for like $50 you know yeah. <laughs> I pretend yeah. that that's okay yeah. you know it's such a weird life that we all live but you can't not do it though right you still Really enjoy. I love it all, dude. I love yeah. all of it. Even when I lose money, I love crypto. Dude, I cried when I finally sold some of my crypto after four years. You mm. know, I mined this stuff. I built computers that basically collected this cryptocurrency for me over time. 
And I was attached to it emotionally. I get married to my investments if I hold them for too long. So holding these ones up and down for four years, I mean, I got emotionally attached. I cried when I sold them. Oh, wow. And then, and then I bought back half because I was like, I just need it for my soul. How crazy is that? You shouldn't be trading if you're emotional. Okay. That, you know that's I mean? good advice. I yeah. Like that. You shouldn't do that. Okay. So I got emotional and I realized that and I said, Oh no. And even though I, I'm, I'm probably losing money on that half that I bought back, it just feels good to have some in case it explodes one day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like crypto stuff. You got to do a lot of research. If you go on my Twitter right now, you'll see that I've been going insane about this one crypto project where like I made an investment in May in one crypto coin. And because I held that coin on a certain date, another crypto coin was supposed to pay me money in the future in June. And they never came through. And the guy who made that claim, he's he's saying that it's going to happen today at some point. I'm July 1st. Okay. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. It's supposed to happen in June. <laughs> right. And I've heard it, the, the coin now is tanked and the money that you're going to give me is worth fucking nothing now. So I'm insane when it's not comedy. So if you want to talk more about that, we can. Or, but I mean, we should probably just go back to comedy. Okay, <laughs> but, we, but we got that. We got that in there. I just want people to know how crazy I can be when I'm off stage. Like it's like a different guy. Mm. You know, like I'm this guy who's like thinking about money all the time and thinking about my family and like I don't like rapists. You know what I mean? Whereas like on stage, I'm fun. I'm yeah. a nice, fun guy for an event. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I'm doing a 710 event. I'm doing a uh, oil competition somewhere here in Nashville on 710. Um, and it's like, yeah, like for that four hours that I'm there being paid to be there, like I'm going to be the most fun guy you've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then when I get home to my wife, I'm going to be a miserable nightmare who lost a house's worth of money in crypto this year. You understand? <laughs> so anyway, if that gives you like a good idea of who I am, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, who the fuck is this crazy psycho? It's like, he's just a guy losing a bunch of money in his bedroom. Also making a ton of money in his bedroom, though, like way more than comedy pays him. Yeah. So I don't know, dude. Anyway, yeah, I got into comedy by doing acid, never stopped doing it for 10 years. I ended up getting in a car accident in my, like, th- like three months after starting comedy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, and it ended up paying for, like, the first, like, seven years of comedy for me. Because I sued the guy who caused the accident. Oh, wow. And the insurance companies. So I got a ton of money. And I used that to start trading. That's how I learned to trade stocks. Okay. So I made like a ton of money at one point and then I lost it all. And I've slowly been climbing back to like make money a little bit. But I mean, you know, shit all happens. But you don't, was that old, that thing you don't, uh, you miss all the shots you don't take, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, and this is one of the biggest lessons in trading and crypto. A lot of people want to get into stocks and crypto and all this stuff. The the main thing you need to learn is capital preservation. That's my real specialty. My specialty is not making money. My specialty is making sure you don't lose all your money. Mm. You know, and I've been very good at not losing at all. I might get down to the bottom, but I have enough to keep playing. Okay. Make sure that I could get back. Yeah. You know, even if I sit out for a while, I sat out for like two years. 
2017, I moved here. I just stopped trading that summer. I was like, hey, I'm just going to stop trading for a few years. I didn't trade again until last year. So it was three years I took off. I made small investments, but I didn't trade anything. Okay. That's it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly looking at like, where's there opportunities to make money? Comedy is not it for me, at least. For yeah. some people it is. Yeah. You know, for people who can get touring work and stuff and all that, comedy is great, you know. But I, like, if you're new at comedy and you're just starting out, you're going to be, you have to be willing to do it for many years unpaid. Yeah. And like, I'm finally at a point now where it's like, I demand the money. If people say no, I am okay with it. Yeah. But there was a time where I wouldn't demand the money because I was afraid of the rejection. And I was like, I need every gig that I can get. Yeah. Now I don't. I'm seasoned. You know what I mean? I can get on stage now after three months of not being on stage and maybe even be better than the last time I was on stage. Mm. Because I just, I look at everything a different way. I, I treat it all a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I might have gained more confidence over that three months and that will translate into my act more than any joke will. Hmm. My jokes aren't that good. You know what I'm saying? Some people have jokes that you envy. You know what I'm saying? Where oh, yeah. you're like, oh man, I wish I thought of that fucking genius bit of material. Right. Not like I don't have any of that. None of that is going on <laughs> in my act. But your, your act, and I've seen it, you know, more than a few times, man. It is... It is like you say, big energy, dude. Like that's what grabbed me uh, immediately. I was like, "Wow, this guy!" It's just like, boom, man! Like you just bring this big, fun energy with you every time. Most of the time, I've seen you on stage, anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, I try to make it fun for everyone. I want it to be fun for me too. I want the energy to be up. You know what I mean? It's a high that I'm chasing when I'm on stage. I'm an addict, dude. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I said, I make more money from my bedroom. This isn't about the doing comedy. Is not necessarily about the money. Mm. You know what I mean? It is now in a way where I'm like, yeah, well, I don't want to risk my life if it's not going to pay me a certain amount. But at the same time, like, yeah, I'm not going to quit comedy. I would still, I'm still planning, like I said, to do something online. Un, and it's going to be unpaid for a long time, I'm sure. Maybe forever. You know, there's no guarantee you make any money online like that. Yeah, but at the same token, it could pop off. You never know. You know, I mean, it could be the next thing. It could. I mean, I, listen, I just want to be having fun. I want to be putting out material that I enjoy, having fun, yep. talking to people in a chat, maybe, you know, just. I like the interact, the comedic interaction where I am the point of attention. Yes, mm -hmm. I do like that. What I what I hate is like begging to get booked, sending out emails, okay. all the things, all that, that grinding, all stuff. the grinding stuff that we don't get paid for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I can I actually pause for yeah. a second? Don't pause the podcast. No, I want I want to tell you what's going on. Oh, here. okay. So I just I just got a phone call, and I want to play it. I'm going to play the yeah. voicemail. Okay. Because I don't know what this is. This obviously has nothing to do with me. Now the very second you receive this message, you need to immediately call the investigation officer. Direct desk number 1317. I repeat 1317 to discuss in details about your case and completion of interrogation. If we don't hear from you, then we will be forced to initiate your arrest warrant. Thank you. <laughs> and said they would be forced to initiate my arrest warrant. Thank you. And then they had a little horn at the end. Yeah, like, that <laughs> horn at the end, just to let you know, like, yo, you're, you're done in your life. Good job, buddy. You did bad. 
Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> and they got the wrong number. Hopefully. I mean, they probably, it's a scam. Ah, yeah, it's gotta be. yeah, you call them. They're like, you, we need your social security number. You know? Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, they're gonna be. Like, we need some information, or they're gonna mm-hmm. be. Like, you have to pay a fine in order to not go to prison. Yeah, and some old person is like, oh my god, yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there, I was talking with uh, our mutual friend David Chastine the other day, and uh, I don't guess I really realized that uh, he was doing. The podcast with you, Spinoli out of control, right? Right, yeah. David and I were very close. We, I mean, I, I still like to think that we're very good friends, you know, but like I said, I don't stay close with my friends. I don't talk all the time. When I saw David last, it was like we never stopped hanging out. Sure. You know what I mean? But uh, I had to let David fly a little bit. David's, you know, trying to do comedy. He's a younger comic, and, and my negativity is not going to help him. Mm. You know, me telling him how I don't like rapists isn't going to, you know, I mean, he has to go shake hands with a rapist if he wants to make it in comedy. Mm. So I'm like, go, please go, fly free, feel like you have a chance. Don't listen to me telling you, like, you don't have a chance if you don't do all these things. You know what I mean? Yeah, let, let him find his own path. Let him find his own path. Exactly. Yeah. Let him find his own path, his own successes, and his own failures. Yeah. We all have them. Right? Sure. So, uh, David's a great kid and he's really funny. That's, uh, that's why I hang out with, da- hung out with David is because yeah. he's funny. Yeah. I've been hanging out with David lately just after Mike's here and there. And yeah. He's a good dude, man. Yeah. He's just a good guy. He's, you know, he's, he's super funny and, um, he, he's been around comedy a lot. Like and a lot of sound guys get stuck as the sound guy. And I kind of tried to tell David that I was like, Hey, do you want to do this or do you want to do comedy? You know what I mean? Right. You got to choose. You can do both. But uh, I know a lot of sound guys who chose sound guy. And that's what they do for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Or you can make $0 an hour trying at this fucking career for the rest of your life. <laughs> Should have stuck with sound guy. <laughs> but yeah, we used to do the podcast together because he's, you know, he's good with the sound stuff too. I was like, it'll be helpful. And he was very helpful with all of that. He ran all of the, you know, sound stuff and the technology, technology stuff. I was just posting them on social media and whatever. Yeah. And just being generally insane. Yeah. You know, and that was the tough part of my life. I was making the least amount of money I'd ever made in my life back then. I was, uh, you know, shit. I was like not trading. Like I said, that was, that was during 2019 up to 2020. Yep. Um, and actually it was during 2018 too. 2018 into 2019. Basically I got married and then I just stopped doing all of it because mm-hmm. I was like, it was, I don't know, everything just got happy in my life again. That's great, man. And then I was like, I don't really have much to talk about now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the pandemic and everything, all that George Floyd stuff made me start thinking about, like, dude, what what I'm saying on a podcast is so unimportant to, like, the social, like, togetherness that everyone is trying to achieve and everything. And so, like, especially, you know, I see podcasts that are big sometimes, like, like Logan Paul, he has a podcast that's pretty big. A lot of these guys, and if you ever try to listen to an episode of it, it's like, man, you guys have like no fucking clue what's going on outside of like your fucking realm, you know? And like, they're, they're just talking about such nothingness that like is so unimportant to like hardworking people. Mm-hmm. 
and the people who I would want. I don't know. I, I, ah, God, I'm starting to ramble again. I understand, but it's like I'm, I'm re- having a realization about target audience. Mm. And that's the main reason I stopped doing the podcast. I say it's because I'm happy and married and everything. It was mainly because of target audience. I started thinking, who's my target audience? And I didn't like it. Okay. I don't have one. Mm. That's the issue. I gotcha. It's like all I was doing was just like complaining about stuff. That was my podcast. It was me complaining about things. Yeah. You know, which I get can be fun. But it became like David arguing about why I shouldn't complain about certain stuff and me complaining about certain stuff. And like I would get mad at David and I was like, I don't want this. I want to be your friend and like hang out with you and stuff. Yeah. And it was like I got when I do the podcast, it's like I get serious because I'm not on stage. You know, it's not fun, jokey joke comedy time for me. Yeah. When I do a podcast, it's like I'm in that real life mode where I'm pissed off about rapists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's the only example I could come up with. That's like my go-to example about like, you know, me not being fun. So I'm pissed off about rape. There's nothing wrong with that, Steve. No, I understand. That's a good, you know, like subject to be pissed at. No, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that um, and like money and stuff. And I'm thinking about real life things, my family, my future children. Like what I'm you know, bringing a child into this world. I'm not thinking about like making everybody laugh. Which maybe I should be. When I'm on a podcast, maybe I should be a comedian. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever you feel, though. If you want to flip that switch, man. Yeah, but like, that's, that's even this right yeah. now, I haven't been trying to be funny. No. No. I mean, this, this is, is... You know, it's not... Yeah, it's just talking, you know? I mean, this has literally been a therapy session for me. I've been venting. Well, I'll be... But... I'll be been mowing you after this. <laughs> to get my $2,000 $2, back. <laughs> All right. Sorry, you you probably have questions you wanted to ask. Not really, man. Like I just want to talk. And like you, you talked about. The have question. I have I gone too long? No. We, no. Oh, okay. But we are about to wrap it up. Okay. Uh, just keep it short and sweet. You usually do. You know. Uh, well, well, I call it a commutable podcast. You know, I mean, it's something people can listen to on their way to work or whatever. Who's listening to this? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, Chad. Okay. Uh, loves this podcast. Mark and Nonson loves this podcast. These are two guys that I, I, I talk to Mark all the time about stocks. Actually, yeah. Mark's a guy who I, t- I text almost like at least two or three times a week about stocks and stuff. Yeah. And Chad, I message every once in a while because he is one of the first people that I met in this town. He's actually the first person to book me on anything in Nashville back in 2012 or 13. No, it was 2013. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and he's a he's a good guy too, who I feel has not been necessarily done right, if that makes sense. You know, you don't see him on as much stuff ever, mm-hmm. um, but he used to run this scene. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. yeah, and like he he shakes off when we call him the Godfather of Nashville comedy, but we're being serious. Yeah, you know I'm. I mean? Yeah, that's a serious thing, and and he he really did you know help me out a bunch, and and even mentally certain times like. He, he'll message me when I, I'll tweet about something and he'll message me knowing that like I'm going insane in the moment because he's just been through all this stuff too. So he's like, Oh, who are you talking about in that tweet? Which comedian? And I'm like, it's this person. Did you know why? And it's very funny. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chad's got close. We just had lunch uh, earlier today and uh, oh, that's cool. yeah, yeah. So he's a great guy. Uh, I have the same story that most of us do. He gave me my first show in town. Hell yeah. And like, uh, you know, he was the first comic I saw from Nashville at Zany's, uh, that I, where I was like, Oh, th- 
this is like a real comic, you know, and that was like 2007 or 2008. Uh, didn't, I didn't start until like 10 years after that, but like once I started hanging out with Chad, it was kind of surreal. And I was like, wow, this is a guy I like looked up to as a comedian. Now well, I'm on his show. Now we're having lunch. You know, it's like, it's weird. You know, yeah, but it's cool how things progress like that. Guys who you look up to become your friends pretty quickly in comedy. Yeah, you realize how small this business is and how like the glory is so perceptive. If if that's the word, even um, like it's just different for everybody. Like one lady who sees you at a show at a bar might think you're famous just because she doesn't understand what all this shit is. While other comedians think you're a fucking nobody, you know? So it's like a weird thing how that all works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely become a lot of friends with a lot of people who I, who I like saw on commercials and TV and stuff like that. And I, I used to think like, how is that even a thing that you can do? Yeah. You know? And now I look at them. I look down on them, honestly, because they're in comedy and I'm making more money from my fucking bedroom. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. All right, check it out. I got one last question for you before uh, we end this uh, therapy session for both of us. But uh, do you still sell pickles at the end of your shows? You want to know something? I was not going to do pickles this year because I am doing my home renovations and I'm I'm really focused on that right now. I've been selling pipes still after the shows. Oh yeah. So I sell glass that I blow in my garage. Mm-hmm. A lot of people listening to this, if they're not Chad or Mark and don't know who I am, are going to be like, "Wait, what? Yeah, he blows glass Let too? Just like insane. I do everything. I do a little bit of everything, none of it well, and." I, like I'm, I'm not a master of any trade, just yeah. a jack of shit. Um, I do jack shit, and um, <laughs> I uh, so I, I sell glass and pickles after the shows normally. But this year I was only going to do glass since I'm really focusing on getting my house done because my wife is on my ass. But uh, last minute, like last week, I ended up planting a bunch of cucumber seeds. So we'll see if they come out. Oh, wow. And if they do, I will have cucumbers for sale after all of my shows in September and October. Yes. I mean, granted, uh, who knows if they last that long. Yeah. So hopefully just September. But yeah, they'll go pretty quickly, to be honest. Oh, yeah. They're a, they're a hot seller now. You know, people know about the pickles. Yeah, so. they do. Words yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a it's like one of these farmer's market type items. People just know, you know, and they're like excited for it all year. I've been getting texts like twice a month from people and, and tweets being like, when pickles? When are the pickles coming? So I've got a list already of, of people who have orders. Yeah. So, yeah. So I hope that the cucumbers come through. Otherwise, I'm keeping their money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. On that note, Stephen, appreciate you hanging out, man. Hey, thanks, man. Oh, wait. Can I plug one thing? Plug if- anything you want to. What? Before we do that, where can they find you online? All the good stuff. Oh, online, I'm at, I'm at Steven Spinola. That's it. And on on Instagram, at Mr. Underscore McStevie. But you can search Steven Spinola. You'll find me. But the one thing I want to plug is I am headlining at the Comedy Bar on September 10th and 11th. Fantastic. The 20th anniversary. Oh, cool, man. Of September 11th. There will be Ooh. many planned yes. and unplanned moments of silence. And that is the 19th anniversary of that joke, I'm sure. So, <laughs> enjoy. You know, when you said 20th anniversary, I said, oh, cool. I was thinking 20th anniversary of the comedy bar. They're like, 
of September 11th. Yeah, oh. no, of the end of my childhood. <laughs> the end of all of my joy oh, was God. 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll be there. Cool. Great. With, and a hazmat suit. Yeah. If the whole crowd could just be dressed like uh, Breaking Bad, that would be great. <laughs> See you, dude. guys one more episode in the bag man appreciate steven for hanging out with us as always we appreciate you for hanging out with the badum ching with carl now on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast pandora it's out there folks go get it click that subscribe click that like as always follow me on instagram and twitter cr3 comedy Uh, I think we're going to get this Patreon thing rolling soon. So be on the lookout for bonus content, especially for my rowdies, man. The rowdiest of rowdies. It's all on the up and up, dude. Comedy's back, and I'm excited. And this thing ain't slowing down anytime soon. So we'll see you soon. And one last thing. See you later.